you ever worried that you might be the cool kid You wear the latest fashions on top of all the trends Or have you ever worried you were too much in the mainstream Always so generic, more normal than your friends Well, we've devised a test to put to rest your fears There's no need to panic if you lend us your ears Tonight you can't sleep easy after all that you've heard Cause if you like the show, then you're probably a nerd Day, you know what that means. It's a new episode of the It's Canon Podcast, the podcast where we talk about all things pop culture, the podcast where we talk about all things geek, the podcast where we talk about all things video games, movies, TV shows, books, Lego, Muppets, soccer, anything and everything. And the best part of it all is, is that it's all in canon. We're your hosts. I'm Boris. And this week, I am joined by only one, but his name is is Phil. Happy hump day, everybody. Yep. Yep. Yep, 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 yep. We made it. It's downhill from here. It is. Ladies and gents. Just like life, it's downhill from here. Shush. (laughs) (laughs) All right, what are we going to be talking about today? Well, today we only have two subjects, but they're two subjects that a lot of people have been asking us about. We're going to be talking all things... Zack Snyder's Justice League, the Snyder Cut, and we're also going to be talking about Falcon and Winter Soldier Episode 1. Just remember, you better have watched both things because we're going to go deep, 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 deep into spoilers because that's why we kind of waited a couple more days to talk about this. But before we go there, Phil, how's it going? Oh, it's going, man. It's going, you know. I've just been um, boning up for the episode, so to speak. I've been doing the research, watching the Zack Snyder movies, re-watching Batman versus Superman, Ultimate Edition. It feels like a wrestling episode. And, I um, yeah, i I, I just been like, oh, guess what? This extra half hour of context actually makes a little more sense now. Yep. Since seeing the Snyder Cut, and yeah, interesting times, interesting times in the geek world, I'm telling yeah, you. It is very interesting times. Um, yeah, yeah. So, we were going to just jump right into it, but uh, Phil we Phil and I started gossiping, so I had to cut it, and here we are, actually, you know, <laughs> recording properly as we should. But we hope yes. that everyone is doing well. Um, it's been a crazy few weeks, and it's going to be a crazy few weeks. I think over the next few weeks, you know, I th- we're going to try to get a Falcon Winter Soldier discussion going. Um, at the very least, it's going to be a Wednesday episode. Um, you do, we do have a couple interviews lined up, which I'm really excited for. Uh, so, you know, sky's the limit right now. Um, we have a lot of stuff in the geek world, a lot of geek stuff happening that we're going to be talking about on Sunday. Um, you know, stuff like Discord being sold, possibly being sold. Stuff like Black Widow going to theaters and Disney Premier Access. Um, we're going to take all our uh, 
uh, new or news items. I'm going to wait till Sunday because today, yeah, there's even like Stadia news this yeah, week. Yeah, I know it's crazy, right? It's Stadia crazy. news. Imagine. Yeah, it's dead, Jim. It's dead, Jim. I know. William right? Shatner's 90th birthday. Yeah. Shout out to William Shatner. 90. Woo. Good old Bill Shatner. Like happy birthday to you. Um, the godfather of geek, say what you, or think what you want. If it wasn't for him, yeah. half of us wouldn't be watching what we do. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's been crazy. It's been honestly been crazy, but it's been a lot of fun. Um, talk to Tyler. He was supposed to join us, but he got tied up with work. Um, and hopefully he'll be back on Sunday. Uh, but, uh, sounds like he's very eager to come back. Yeah. He's recharged. He's, he's got his stuff sorted and it'll be good to have him back i'm, I'm yeah. looking forward to to getting him back in the mix and yeah. getting his opinion on stuff we've been sharing some articles and having some d- side discussion on things and it's very illuminating it's good to have him back in the fold and uh have his stuff sorted out yeah it's very good all right so we're going to talk about the snyder cut first let's just jump right into it um phil let's just let's just say it did you like it yes or no I'm you know, I am recording. Yes. Like, <laughs> I know, I know. I have, like, I want people to know that I've labored over this. There's a lot of fundamental things that I disagree with. There's a lot of fundamental things I agree with. But on my enjoyment scale, I liked it. Yep. Same here. I, I didn't hate it. I There were parts that I have questions about or issues with. There are... It's a multifaceted example of what can be done in today's society or in today's world. It's a really good example of everything lining up perfectly for him. And I'm kind of glad that it did, but man, there's a toxic fandom as we've always discussed. There's a good fandom. There's a fandom that raised a lot of money for suicide prevention and whatnot in getting this green lit or getting this pushed by the studio and Zach and everybody. And those people deserve to be recognized and applauded for their efforts in a positive way. They didn't just complain on the internet. They put their money where their mouth is. They raised money for for a good cause. We all know that Zack Snyder had to originally back out of this film when his daughter committed suicide. So I think that there are some good stories around this. And I think that the final product was somewhat enjoyable. It gave a lot of backstory to a lot of characters that maybe got diminished time yep. in the release. Yep. But I will say that I went back and I watched the original, and it's a lot better at telling a story in a compressed time frame. Now, whether or not I like that story is different, because the story is definitely different in the Snyder Cut. Yes. So there are changes, right? Like... If you take the first two hours of the Snyder Cut and you watch the first hour of the original Justice League, it is a great example of how you can tell a, a very detailed story with editing. Yeah. And without. You're like, there's a lot of slow-mo. There, it was fun watching the reactions in real time on Twitter of people like, geez, the reason why this is four hours is because two hours of it is in slow-mo. And yeah, fair point. You yeah. know, they're they're... There was a lot of glory shots. I like what can you do? Yeah. But it's a superhero movie and it's it's meant to compete with the MCU. It's meant to 
stand on its own. It's meant to do a lot of things, and I think it kind of achieved a little bit of everything there. Yeah. What do you do you think? I liked it overall. I got to admit, like, I was one of the more, not even vocal. I was indifferent about it, and you know this. I didn't want to talk about it. I didn't care for it. I thought that it was setting a bad precedence in cinema, um, and I still think that. But Mm -hmm. the final result, I'm happy with. I'm happy with what we got. I'm happy that um, Zack Snyder was finally able to tell his story. I'm happy that, um, you know, the characters that deserved more recognition got that recognition, i.e. Flash, i.e. Cyborg. I'm happy that the fans, at the end of the day, got what they wanted. These are fans that, you know, basically since the movie came out, even before the movie came out, when Joss Whedon was entrusted with releasing this, People wanted the Snyder Cut, um, and things really mm-hmm. picked up in June 2018 when AT&T merged with Time Warner. Um, you know, that's when hashtag release the Snyder Cut really, really started. Um, then again, in June 2019, a lot of fans reached out to the new Warner Brothers CEO and Sarnoff, um, and, and, you know, again, it was, let's get that Snyder Cut going. Um, in July 2019, they again reached out to the parent company um, when HBO Max was introduced, at least announced. Um, ahead of 2019 San Diego Comic-Con, a fan launched crowdfunding campaign with half of the funds to be spent on an advertising campaign. Uh, you know, again, released a Snyder Cut. All of this, all of this kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And it, let's be honest, if it wasn't for HBO Max, this thing wouldn't be out here yeah that's what i mean by perfect place and perfect time like you have the pandemic you have hbo max you have all these things lining up and it just made for an event yeah right and it just made a decision by warner brothers and Zack snyder to invest more money into this to polish it up a little bit better than maybe they would have given it and maybe give it a little bit more of a runtime i think Zack originally said that his ideal movie was about a three-hour movie, and he got a little more playtime, and he played with it. So yeah. good for him. Like, I don't begrudge him the opportunity, and, and he knows that, well, put it this way, in all, the, in all the interviews that I've read and whatnot, since the release of this, when they talk about the idea that he could have a follow-up movie, he said there's no chance, but he also said there was also no chance that I would have released this. Yeah. So who knows? Yeah. You know, it really comes down to fan reaction, fan demand, and the willingness of the studio to play ball. Yeah. And that's a big one. And for me, a lot of it really came down to, I just, this was a perfect perfect example of rumor and innuendo. I just, you know, from the fact that, did the Snyder Cut ever actually exist as opposed to Snyder's vision right um you know there was conflicting reports that this thing was already cut that there was a reel with the Snyder cut already out there um you know two rumors of this being a six-part series to four-part series to being a theatrical release to being you know there was just so many rumors um you know reshoots uh, and things like that, just like there were so many, so much rumor and innuendo around this movie that it really took me away from 
wanting to get hyped. Uh, the other reason why I didn't want to really get hyped for this movie is because, to be 100% honest, I'm a huge DC fanboy. Batman is my go-to superhero. He is my favorite superhero. superhero. Nothing's ever going to change that. I am a DC fanboy through and through, um, and I was, I've was i just been so let down and disappointed by the DC Extended Universe that I didn't want to get my hopes up yet again for a mm-hmm. theatrical or a movie of the Justice League and for it just to suck yet again. So I really took a step back and I just let things happen. You know, I know that even on the show, <laughs> I, I was very negative, but quietly, obviously, I wanted, I was going to watch this and quietly, wow. I for sure wanted this to do well and be good. I wanted it to be worth our time, um, you know, worth the time that we spend talking about this. I mean, here we are. So, you know, I i am happy. I'm, overall, I am happy um, that 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 Snyder, Zack Snyder, was able to release his version and his intention and his brainchild. And, you know, yes, at the end of the day, this does set a weird precedence for cinema. But this is no different than when in the early 90s, everyone was getting a director's cut of a movie. You know, Apocalypse Now Redux, the four-hour version of Apocalypse Now. Uh, you know, this has happened in the past. It's just now, it's a, I feel like it's a little more prominent. Um, and I feel that, you know, because it was a fan movement, it kind of felt different than other stuff. It kind of yeah. also felt like it was, you know... Um, the the, the 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 geek fandom can be a little toxic at times um and 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 we're no different to be honest like look at our chat yeah, yeah. sometimes we're part of it yep <laughs> um, no no and i look at the i look at the you brought up redux uh, uh, one that my friend brought up when we were discussing the same thing was the blade runner yes director's cut yep. and i'm like yeah but that was 20 years after the movie nobody saw that coming that was a complete marketing ploy to re-release a movie and the same with redux right it was a complete marketing ploy to sit there and go we can do this and we can sell more blu-rays yep exactly but this this is okay this is this is the the modern version of that all right we can take a recent property release a four-hour version and we can sell subscriptions yep you know because i'm still mad at bell canada in canada for their marketing of you just need Crave. Yep. The details are you need Crave and HBO. Yep. But every single piece of marketing that they've released, and I've gone after them on social media about it, where I'm like, hey, hang on, that's misleading. Because you're not telling us that you need a package. Yep. You're just saying only on Crave. And I'm just like, well, Crave is 50% of it because I have Crave and I can't watch that. Yep. So it's, yeah, it's messed up. I, yep. I, it's a weird space, but I think that's uniquely Canadian in how HBO is rolled out. But I, I would imagine other regions in the world are conflicted with similar similar issues. I believe the UK falls into this category. So I wouldn't be surprised if this is one of the most pirated four-hour versions of anything that's ever released onto the internet. Yeah. Not uh, that I'm encouraging that. Exactly. But. But it is what it is. Let's be honest. We're not going to be blind to the idea that pirating happens, right? And I understand yeah, why pirating happens. We talked about it. How many times do we talk about it on the show? Because of, you know, it's not that people want to pirate. It's that it's the easiest way to get stuff at this point. Um, you know, unfortunately, with so many streaming services, people are willing to cut the cord. People are willing to go legit. But 
these companies are just making it half near impossible. And like, look at Crave. You brought up a perfect example. You need Crave plus HBO. That ends up being almost 30 bucks. You know, yeah. it's crazy. And they have a promotion on right now for 50% off if you pay three months or something like that. But again, it's in nowhere in my correspondence with Crave tech support did they mention that yeah they just kept on denying that they were doing it yet each ad showed it and they didn't even as we observed on the show they didn't even denote that you needed hbo until a week before it went what's live. worse is that the original ads did have that so yeah. you know 10 days ago on the show when we were talking about this i'm like I, they took out the you need the HBO subscription too. It's just Crave. Yep. It's on just just Crave. Uh, we get PR stuff from from Bell Media, and you know they were very reluctant on giving you all the info. Anyways, that's that. Snyder cut. Um, you know, I, I at the end of the day, um, you know, there's a lot of things going on here when we still think about the movie. <laughs> um, oh know, gosh, yeah. And it's not all positive. Like let's 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 make that 100% clear. I'm not praising this yep. movie. I like it for what it is. Um I want to see more of the Snyderverse. Uh I still feel like he fully doesn't understand DC um and and some mm -hmm. of these characters, but the version of Justice League that we saw in on the Snyder cut uh, I feel like those characters, that world, that mythos, the world-building elements, the teases for upcoming films, all of that was just better delivered. So I accept the Snyderverse more, but it's still a far cry from what I want to see with DC and DC properties. Yeah, you know what's funny about that statement? Probably the most underserved character in the Snyderverse is Batman. Like, he does not portray Batman well, as far as I'm concerned. Like, he, well, there are, there are depictions of him that are okay, but I'm just saying he's the least developed character out of the Justice League. He's the least developed. He's just a, yes. he's just an antagonist to Superman. Yeah. Here's the thing, though. I feel like that was partially done on purpose because how many different versions, yeah. how many different stories have we seen of Batman? So I kind of feel like yeah. in this world where Batman is going up against aliens and there are now gods and literally the possibility of new gods and whatnot, um, you know, in, in this Snyderverse, uh, you know, it's, it's, mm. you, you kind of see Batman for what he is. And this is how he's often portrayed in Justice League books where he's just the payroll. He's just the brains. He is the leader of the group just because of the symbol and his his attachment to humanity. I don't know. I I don't know how to describe it, but you it's know, interesting because Batman's the just alternate a character, the alternate universe that that Zack Snyder is portraying in both that uh, Ultimate Edition Batman v Superman and the end in the epilogue of Justice League, Batman seems to be obviously the biggie. Yeah. So maybe that's where he gets his due if he would have got the the next film where he gets to put the big uh, uh, enemy as Superman because apparently the arc is something like, you know, what we've seen where Superman gets killed, Justice League, Superman comes back, the next film, Superman's the big enemy and gets, and gets demolished in that realm. And then the next movie, the, the, the third Justice League, Superman's the huge hero and returns and, and saves the world. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's quite an arc for Superman. Yeah. Like that that's an ambitious arc. That's 
because obviously the criticism is always that Superman's boring, right? Yeah. Like he's my least favorite superhero because he can just do anything and yeah. everything. And if if you know, lazy writing saves the day all the time with Superman. Yeah, as far as I'm concerned, especially in film. Um, maybe not in the comic books, but I see that and I go, oh wow, what well, that's a challenging arc. That is Star Wars esque mm-hmm. in terms of a redemption kind of real that they're going for and yeah i i'm 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 hooked on that part that's the part that i want to see realized i don't really give a shit about martian manhunter or you know replacing green lantern (laughs) or any of that that kind of stuff i'm more into it and curious about that bigger meta story that Zack snyder was mining into and and the worst part is is that snyder doesn't make it contained in a film he makes it contained in multiple films, so you have to go back, rewatch them to have that aha moment. And I think if there's anything, that's the biggest flaw in Snyder's approach to this series. Yeah. Is that, you know, he ran the risk of getting it pulled out from him from reasons under his own control and out of, right? It could be studio, it could be personal, it could be anything. Yep. And he ran that risk and it actually came to fruition and he got to deliver that final you know thing across the line and say here's what i wanted and who knows if he gets to go on yeah you know and 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 we're not going to debate this whether he will or won't wc yeah, is no w says yeah. a lot of things wc wb yeah. said that this didn't exist and this won't happen this being the Snyder mm-hmm. cut so you know, just like in the world of wrestling, never say never. That's kind of where I'm going to be. Do I want to see more of the Snyderverse? Yes, um, because I feel like the world that he built, like I said, while I don't feel like he fully understands the DC characters and, you know, what, what they actually stand for, I am now somewhat interested in these characters enough to give more of my time to watch these movies. Yep, and I I don't know, right off the bat, I know I, I responded to you guys. I'm watching it. I'm like, what the fuck is going on yeah. with the aspect ratio? That was very... Now, once you start watching it, you it doesn't make a difference. But I even got into a discussion with a filmmaker friend of mine about what... Because I, I was like adamant. This is just letterbox. This is just TV box, right? Mm-hmm. Like, And my friend is like, no, this is IMAX. I'm like, stuff like are you serious it can't be imax i've seen imax shooting you know in mandalorian they use imax and it's super wide mm-hmm. and it like it's like whole frame when they were doing the worm or the the big dragon fight or whatever at the end of the first episode of season two like you go watch tron legacy on blu-ray and all the action shots are in imax and they take up the full frame and then they go back down to a compressed letterbox format when it's not in imax there are films where, you know, Ghost in the Shell live action was shot in full IMAX and it's full frame. Like my 55 inch TV is just like a mural of action. And then mm-hmm. I watch a Snyder cut and I'm like, nope. And then my friend was right. And he's like, yeah, well, because IMAX screens are actually square. Yeah. That's why they fill your peripheral. And he's like, a proper IMAX screen is that ratio. And this is them honoring that. And you know what? It wasn't that bad. I got to say, after about 20 minutes of me being cranky about it, I was like, ah, I'm not noticing it. And it's actually, I can see more up and down. They are right. Like, I can see more of the full frame. Yeah. 
as far as the screen, even though I was watching it on a letterbox screen. Yeah. But interesting choices. I, I, I was very cynical about it. I wanted to hate it. I really did. And I was just like, yeah, yeah, you know what? It's not that bad. So yep. it was very disarming for me, the whole experience. Uh, yeah. So to that point... Um, you know, so IMAX cameras, super heavy, super bulky, not easy to use. Snyder actually opted to shoot the entire film on 35 millimeter with a one to 33 to one aspect ratio. He says, my intent was to have the movie, the entire film play in a gigantic four, three aspect ratio on a giant IMAX screen. So that's Mm -hmm. his words, not mine. Um, whether you choose to believe that or not, that's up to you. But, um, you know, that that's that, um, you know, I, I know that this was a sticking point with a lot of people, but, you know, I, I think that there's a lot more. It ended up working. Yeah, it ended up working. And I think that there's a lot more uh, other things that you can complain about, uh, you know, really. Um, so. So, yeah, it's 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 that was that. Uh, so, you know. When we talk about some of the characters that were removed or given uh, reduced to presence um, from the theatrical to the Snyder Cut, uh, so we got at least 10 comic book characters from Snyder's original script, um, you know, who were eventually removed. They include Iris West, uh, Ryan Choi, Slash Adam. Um, we had Aquaman's mentor, Nuidis Volko. Uh, we even had Darkseid, obviously. Uh, Harry Lennox's character, Calvin uh, Swanwick from Man of Steel was in it. Martian Manhunter. Um, you know, there were other people who... Green Lantern. Yeah. Yeah. But that was... Yeah. Yes. That overall. was an issue with Warner Brothers, because Warner Brothers have that in production. And they didn't want it screwed with. Yep. With this movie. So Snyder wanted to bring it back in the Snyder cut. And Warner Brothers said, no, it's a property you can't touch. Yep. And if you do touch it, deals off. He shot it anyway. Yeah. And then he subbed in Martian Manhunter. Yep. Exactly. Because originally he was supposed to be part of the, the Green Lantern Corps or yep. whatever. Yeah. Um. So I think the biggest thing for me, my biggest takeaway was the additional lore, backstories, um, respect angles for Flash, Aquaman, and Cyborg. My favorite thing in this cut, Aquaman didn't sit on the fucking lasso of truth. Um, you know, that was one of the scenes, the MCU-ish <laughs> scenes that just pissed me off from the weeding cut. Um, you know, so, so, but overall, Flash, Aquaman, Cyborg, I feel were much better characters as a whole. Um, you know, really... <clears throat> You know, I think we better understand Flash. We kind of get a better sense of who he is as a human being, um, just from the way that he saved Iris. Mm-hmm. We're not going to talk about, you know, was he a creep or not? You can have that conversation on your own. Um, Aquaman, in general, you kind of have a better understanding of... I know, exactly. Aquaman, you have a better understanding of his character, kind of, you know, his motivation, his lack of motivation, I should say. Um, Because, remember, Aquaman takes place after this movie. um, So this is a very good setup for that movie. Um, Mm -hmm. One thing that I do want to touch on before we talk about Cyborg, and that is the fact that... Patty Jenkins and other DCEU directors worked with Snyder and his ideas as opposed to anything that happened with Joss Whedon. So um, Mm. Wonder Woman, Aquaman, etc. 
those were all based off of Zack Snyder's vision. So that's on top of the reasons why these movies seem so different in you know in 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 terms of their 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 lure, their stories, their characterizations. It's because you know a lot of these people f- see the Joss Whedon theatrical release as not being the actual canon. Yeah. He got subbed in, right? Like yeah. it really was just a lot of poor decisions by studios. Yep. And you know, no big offense to Joss Whedon. One of the big things actually that stood out to me, and maybe this is me imagining it, but after absorbing four hours of that and then going back a couple nights later and watching a good half to three quarters of Justice League, the original, like the Yoss Whedon cut. Yep. Yoss has a lot more butt shots of Gail Gadot. Yep. Like it, it, it it's noticeable. And yep. I'm like, is that intentional? Because Zach was much more respectful of her on screen time. Well, as far as the sexualization or, or those types of shots, I don't even know. Like, I don't want to say that he's a creep or anything like that. Uh, but it just felt really different as far as her screen time. Well, look it at all actually, the jokes you know, um, and, and memes that there were about Black Widow and the Avengers 1 and 2, right? Yeah. Kind of yeah, makes you think it's, back. And it's like, huh, now things kind of make sense. So the biggest change and the best um, kind of added story, in my opinion, uh, backstory, character, and that was Cyborg. Um, you know, yeah. because when during the original theatrical release he was always described as the heart of the film um and that really wasn't the case but you really saw that here um you know we saw his origin story we saw him learning to use his abilities connecting with the cybernetic enhancements being ripped in half by steppenwolf we saw all of this in the snyder cut and i honestly feel like cyborg was the core of the justice league in this sense yeah or no doubt about it i i was really happy about their exploration of Ray Fisher and Cyborg and is it Ray Fisher yeah yep. but it, it's it I was really happy with that I was really happy with the flash like you pointed out I, I I just looked at that scene and I thought the original scene with him and the dog walking and saving Iris and whatnot was more about I don't know like the cinematography of his powers mm-hmm. than anything creepy yeah, it was just more so like, hey, guess what? We're gonna take a really long time to explain this, and it made a it made a payoff scene when he sees his dad, which was in both versions, and he's like, you know, his dad's just like, you you have three jobs, uh, you know, dead end jobs and all that. It f- the cynical me was like, you spent half an hour exploring this car issue with the lady with Iris to basically make that line make sense, but no, it has a deeper comic book meaning. It has. Like these, I didn't realize that that's his true girlfriend yeah. from the books and whatnot. Yep. So I'm like, hey, you know what? That was actually a really good introduction. If you're going to be doing movies for him, which they are down the road. And I'm like, you could have, if Zach was involved, I don't know that he is, but if Zach was involved, there could have been a lot more connective connectivity there. Yep. So, you know, I, I just feel that there's a big shadow over all of this about what they choose and what they leave behind as far as how they move forward with all of this in canon. And obviously the the bridge is burnt with Cyborg. Yeah. All right. Before we continue that thought, because that's kind of like 
the final thought is uh, Superman. Let's talk about Superman. You kind of brought this up. Oh, already. yes. Uh, what did you think of the of the way that Superman was portrayed in the Snyder Cut versus the theatrical release? Um, I I thought it was good. I didn't. I I thought it made more sense. I thought that they let you in a little more on what it what what it is that he's thinking and what it is that he's experiencing and what it is that all of his peripheral people are experiencing especially when the mother goes and visits Lois Lane and then we find out it's actually Martian Manhunter um trying to spur things on with those characters trying to get to a result yeah that gets superman involved because the world needs him and i think that it made I was actually cheering at my TV, right when Superman comes in in that climactic moment, and you know shows up and 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 beats the living shit out of Steppenwolf, right? Like, and and the team up with Wonder Woman to pay her off after all that she had to endure with Steppenwolf's taunting yep. and his expanded absolute destruction of some of the amazons right like that was stuff that was brushed over that that the whole thing went into the sea that he killed so many of them like there was a real sacrifice made by her people and she was angry about it and superman played to that yep and whatnot like i i think that there were so many fist bump kind of moments in that final fight that I think that was ultimately the redemption. Like, if everything else was foreplay, this was the actual, you know, payoff for the fan base was having an ending that just made a lot more sense. Because watching the original, Darkseid is mentioned once in passing. Yep. He's just alluded to. He's not... It's definitely the main bad is Steppenwolf, which was a... Freaking weird choice. Yep. Joss tried this to made really keep, so much more sense. He tried to keep um, the theatrical release, really tried to make Darkseid like that Thanos like character that's overseeing things. Where in the Snyder Cut, you clearly see, hey, I'm ready to fucking invade Earth right the fuck now. Um, yeah. You touched on it there, the Amazons. I love that whole scene. While similar, it was different enough, and I feel like they were more badass. However, every mm-hmm. time they showed Amazons, I felt like we were listening to the opening theme of Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> yes, there's there's that theme, right? Yeah. There's that, ah, yeah, yeah, the chanting it's, or whatever. It was funny. Yeah, it's it's actually I found that very comforting. Watching it is the consistency, because when you watch Batman v Superman, and obviously Wonder Woman, the original, and yeah, I guess 1984. I tried to expunge that from my memory, but there is a consistency to the DC universe, and this this is what I mean. When I talk about when you start watching all the DC stuff, when you start watching Aquaman, when you start watching Batman v Superman, when you start watching Man of Steel, when you when you put them all together, DC's not far off of getting it right. Yep. They're really close. Yep. And then Marvel releases Thor Ragnarok and you go, okay, you know, like eight years just woke up inside of me. And I'm all in on this. No. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they, they just do the right amount of everything to be just that much better. Yeah. Because I don't want to be dumping on DC because I think they're putting a really great effort forward on some of their properties. Yeah. Uh, 
one thing I really liked about Superman, and that was kind of like, you know, when they did bring him back, that fight against the Justice League, um, mm-hmm. you know, in the theatrical version, it was kind of like he's angry and, you know, you're not really sure why. But I felt that here in the Snyder Cut, you know, it was kind of like bringing this guy back to life. It reminded me of any time someone comes back to life from a Lazarus pit where they're batshit crazy, uh, and pun intended, mm. uh, batshit crazy yep. for a little bit, um, and then, you know, they get a little tranquilo and they're all good after a little while. So I kind of like that yeah. and how different that was, but yet so similar. Uh, my favorite thing was the flashback to the first invasion of Earth uh, with, um, oh. you know, with uh, the Green Lantern Corps, the Atlanteans, the Olympian gods, yeah. the Amazons. That was like them. Lord of the Rings, like Return of the yes. King. Yeah. I'm just like, oh my God, they're redoing Peter Jackson. Yep. <laughs> yep. Except with gods and superheroes. This is so awesome. Screw you, elves and dwarves. Yep. Yeah, it was it was so good. Um, and I gotta say, I really, really, really wish we got this version of Ares as the villain in one of the first Wonder Woman movie. Mm-hmm. Like yep, I yeah. Like, come on, guys. Um, you know, even the fact that they talked about the anti-life equation. That scene was there in the theatrical cut, but no one had any idea what that was. That was, you know, the anti-life equation. That's kind of when, you know, uh, Steppenwolf strikes his axe into the ground. It creates that glowing red symbol. Um, they talk about uh, the Darkseid anti- did it early on. Yeah, they talk about yeah. the anti-life equation a lot. And that kind of, um, you know, it's a much bigger thing. And, and, and it's essentially the ultimate multiverse part of the DC uh, extended universe because this, um, you know, it's 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 a thank you, Jack Kirby, for this. Um, you know, it's you bring in the new gods, you bring in the monitors, you bring in the anti monitors, you bring in, um, you know, it's just so freaking much that they can explore, and it's stuff that you would never have imagined that they actually explore in the big screen, but. People seem to be accepting of it. People seem to now be accepting. Like, for the longest time, I was always like, they need balls to talk about the multiverse and how there's a million and one different versions of yourself, you know, within the multiverse and how the multiverse works. But all of this is now becoming more common for these movies. You know, we're seeing it in the MCU. Uh, You know, I, I still think that they can fix this entire DCEU with a good explanation in yeah. the Flash movie, especially if they're going with the Flashpoint, um, yep. yeah, it's just crazy, you know. And then, and then even the final battle in the Snyder Cut, you know, they removed kind of like that Sokovia bullshit MCU stuff and really made it its own type of battle. Batman was so badass in that final battle he, in the Snyder mm-hmm. Cut, um, you know, the Joss. Theatrical version added the, the that Russian family. They added the red hue. They made that, uh, you know, yeah. they made uh, Steppenwolf's base kind of more organic. Um, and I just really enjoyed kind of how they, how uh, Aquaman, uh, Flash, Cyborg, Batman, like everyone, just it was so 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 well done in the Snyder Cut. They got their slow mo moment. Right? Well, they they yeah, it was earned. But yep. as well, you're right, though. Like, I really didn't appreciate how much that red hue and whatnot until I saw some side-by-side stuff. And I'm like, holy shit, it looks way better dark. Yeah. It, you know, it felt dirty. It felt grimy. 
It felt real. I really enjoyed Steppenwolf's armor. I really enjoyed, like you know, he he came across as very Thanosy, and the 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 boxes came across as very Infinity Stony at times. But I don't know, you know, this is two major houses competing, and there's only so many ideas to go around. I did like like you brought up that that whole plan, like the the whole annihilation plan and whatnot. The it alluded to a bigger plot happening that can that can arc over movies and yeah like the whole thing was fun it was fun from a comic book fan or a comic book movie fan perspective and it was a lot more well done it was a lot more fleshed out and i liked that aquaman still had some of that comedic action relief yeah and whatnot in the fight like it was it was balanced it was very very approached yep and there was a lot of tension in that final you know scene in that final battle there was so much attention paid towards the dynamics of that fight that i appreciated and and was just like as a fan you know with with flash running around trying to build up the charge and everything and it was explained like it 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 didn't treat the audience like idiots but it also gave you the ability to be in on it yeah and that was all really great for choices here's you know know We've spent the better part of half an hour to 40 minutes praising this movie. I would say praising this movie um, because when you do compare it to the original release, it was much better. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't perfect. You know, for example, not every scene absolutely needed to be there. But Mm -mm. this was Snyder's vision, his cut, his movie, untouched by Warner Brothers. So you're going to get every useless thing off of the cutting room floor in this movie. Um, So that's that. The other thing is the slow motion Okay, it was overdone. Um, even the cinematography, like the the the, the overuse of the green screen, um, oftentimes I felt like it was too fake looking, right? Like like yep. three hundred or something like that. It was worse than Watchmen. It was more in the three hundred range of of like yep. just that CGI ness. Too much CGI. It just felt fake. Um, you know, so it wasn't perfect. I'll bring up- I'll bring up Return of the King again. <laughs> that final battle in Return of the King where it's just like mobs of computer-generated people yeah. flooding into things. There were points in this movie where I was just like, oh, man, there's some computer cooking somewhere. <laughs> and not because it's uh, going for Bitcoin. <laughs> no, exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah, like it wasn't perfect. It wasn't perfect. It no. wasn't perfect. It was far from perfect, but it was that much better, and it was better enough that it made me want to, again, I still firmly believe that Zack Snyder doesn't fully understand the DC universe, but he understands it enough to give us things like Darkseid, um, you know, like, like um, you know, the, the multiverse, uh, the the hints to the new gods, Martian Manhunter, etc., um, you know, and and. Kingdom Come and 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 kind of and all that stuff that they hinted at, especially with the nightmare scenes and stuff like that. Um, uh, and Adam was in it. Yeah. yeah, his character was in it as a, one of the scientists. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. there, there are links that could be expanded upon by the DC EU people, whoever's in charge now, that they could go and make these movies. And you know, Zack Snyder came out and he said. Originally, his envisioned plan was to make an Adam movie and completely shoot it in China. Yep. 
and make it, you know, like for everybody, the world, but really make it Chinese centric in order to build that character and get that that area of the world in on it and feeling like they're they're part of it, right? Like it it's it's there was a pretty comprehensive plan that was hopefully they pick up the book and go yeah, we should take a look yep. at some of this. We'll see what we'll see what they end up going with. We'll see kind of what the plan is. Again, we're not going to talk about all of the rumors of the new Yeah, there's a million and one possibilities. Yeah. It's a multiverse. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <So. laughs> um and yeah, so while I ex- uh, accept and appreciate the fact that like we like I was saying we talk about the multiverse, we talk about, you know, the um, you know, there's just the um what do you call it? the anti-life equation and things like that, you know, I want to see where Zack Snyder can go with this. Um, you know, he, he he made it interesting enough. I don't agree with everything he's done. I still don't fully think that he understands the DC characters, but he's given me enough to want to see more. And at the end of the day, mm-hmm. as myself, a DC fanboy, you know, at least I know that it's possible. it right yep. or Zach does all right so that is our chat it's all in the cards on now. the snyder cut yeah and sorry to disappoint all the fans out there but like i mentioned on our last episode i know that we're famous for taking uh, a 45 minute show and turning it into a two-hour discussion however this four-hour movie is not going to be an eight-hour discussion oh, no. <laughs> We are not going to do a frame-by-frame breakdown and uh, read everything that's 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 in the background yep. of this stuff. It's, um, it is what it is, and I would say go and enjoy it uh, for what it is. You don't have to love it. You don't have to hate it. it it's, it's a movie, and it's got superheroes, and it's probably fun just because of that. Unlike Falcon. Wonder Woman 84. Falcon and Winter Soldier. <laughs> Episode 1 was released March 19th, 2021. Um, it is going to be a six-part series. And I gotta say, I liked the first episode. I was lucky enough to watch it early. Um, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, and, uh, yeah. Uh, what are your first impressions, Phil? It was exactly what I expected. It was... Well, it maybe exceeded expectations. It wasn't exactly what I expected, but it was very action dependent. Um more a little more normal than WandaVision. Yep. A little more straight shooter type thing. Um opens many doors as a pilot episode should. Yeah. Um and it it establishes, you know, that we're about what is it, about six months after the blip. Recovery. Six months. So we're sandwiched in before Spider-Man Far From Home and and this time space. So I think WandaVision takes place after this. Same time-ish. Yeah, there's there's some there's some interesting stuff I've watched online and whatnot, but you know, who knows? It's whatever they want to do or whatever they choose to tell us. And yeah, I, I enjoyed it for what it was. I'm looking forward to the next five episodes. I'm Curious to see where they go, which bat, which villains they introduce, which which ties there are to Black Widow potentially, 
and things like that, because I know that there's a lot of stuff that, that this is going to spawn into and out of. Yep. Especially very Marvel-esque, right? Exactly. Um, you know, so a couple things I really wanted to bring up. So, uh, as Phil mentioned, this takes place six months after the blip. Um, so Sam Wilson is working with the U.S. Air Force. He's in Tunisia. Uh, he tries to stop uh, George Petroc and the terrorist group LAF, yeah. who you may remember from um, uh, Captain America. Captain America. Yeah. Yep. Part two, Winter Soldier. Yeah. Um, they've hijacked a plane and taken an Air Force officer hostage. Uh, so with support from First Lieutenant Joaquin Torres, um, Wilson, who was given the mantle of Captain America by Steve Rogers. Uh, so, you know, so the, the first few minutes, um, we get this intense uh, Captain America-like action scene. Um, we're introduced to Joaquin Torres, uh, which, by the way, he is a comic version of Falcon. Um, mm-hmm. So... Yeah, when Falcon took over for for Captain America, yep. he became Falcon. Yep. So, what did you think <gasps> of this and the filming of this, and and kind of you know the, the just being dropped in literally into this episode? And I feel like you just could try like <laughs> it was. I'm sorry, but there were parts of it that were stupid, like you know, like the whole thing feels like a freaking setup right from the beginning, which. I'm pretty sure if I'm reading the lines of this show right, um, is intentional, and we will look back on it and see that it was intentional. Similar to, but to Captain send, America: Winter Soldier, right? Like everything yeah, happened for a reason. Exactly. Um, you know, he goes in on the plane just all alone, and he's you know slapsticky in a way. Um. His drone can now listen to him and, and obey commands, which was an interesting development. And he goes in, he, he's, you know, there's a lot of flexing and wing stuff and countering the MMA guy. And I'm just like, oh, man, like, this is this is just, it's exactly what I thought it would be, which is my comment. And at the same rate, it's, it's I don't really dig analyzing those types of things too, too deeply. Um, but it was, it just felt like a comic book. Yep. Like it, it, I, and I know the significance of some of those characters, but as we'll remember in Captain America two, was it winter soldier? The, um, the guy, the, the, the MMA fighter was actually hired by, by Hydra, those guys by Hydra. So I'm like, this feels like it's the same type of thing. Yep. And I and I think that, that that's kind of they're what setting they're, up Falcon. Yeah, and I think that's kind of what we're expected to believe. It's like, oh, here we go again. We saw this before. Yeah. So this is the scene. If you recall on the episode on Sunday, I was reading a review and they said, "Oh, this feels too much like a movie." Oh yes. There's in specifically with this scene. Now, I want to talk about that for a brief second because it's a good thing and a bad thing. It's it's a bad thing because, you know, I feel like it's just so different from what we were just exposed to in <laughs> Wanda and Vision, um, WandaVision, that, like, you know, it, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, this is the MCU. Now I remember, you know. Uh, yeah. So I like that. Um, and, and that was also the bad thing at the same time was because it's like, oh, here we are. We're back in the MCU. Action, joke, action, <laughs> joke, changed. right? It, it's it's yeah. kind of crazy how, how it just we're back into this world. Um, 
So this happened. Um, Sam Wilson was given the mantle of Captain America. He's struggling with the idea. He decides to give the shield to the U.S. government, uh, to the Smithsonian for display. Um, you know, pretty simple scene. I kind of like that we saw Rhodey here. Um, mm-hmm. Let's talk about this because I kind of liked this character a lot more. Um, you know, and and I did appreciate kind of the human aspect of Sam Wilson. I kind of did appreciate that we now kind of see that they have real lives and things like that. But yeah. Bucky Barnes, I find the Bucky Barnes character super interesting here um, because you know this is a guy who who's who, as he said in this episode, he knows nothing but war. He's been fighting for the for like the past God knows how many years, right? Um, he's been in from one battle to the next battle to the next battle, and his only downtime was this time that he spent in Wakanda, uh, you know, after Civil War and yep. before uh, uh, the first Infinity War. So, Bucket Barnes was recently pardoned. Uh, he's attending government-mandated therapy. Uh, he discusses his attempts to make amends for his time as a brainwashed assassin, the Winter Soldier. Uh, so, you know, again, I really enjoyed the humanization, uh, the reality, mm-hmm. uh, the, the the fact that, you know, after Thanos, that's it. Now what, right? It's like, what do we do now with our lives now that we're done being superheroes? Yeah, it, it, I really did enjoy the humanization of Sam and, and the struggles that him and his family are facing as a result of the blip and whatnot, I thought that that was a really interesting base to go to. And I really did enjoy uh winter soldier stuff with, you know, even, even from the, the setup point of Bucky sitting in front of the mural of the trees, right. When he's sitting in the chair with the psychiatrist or psychologist or whatever it is. Yep. Yep, yep. I just really enjoyed that kind of the visual of the the battle going on in his head with the tranquility of the trees behind him yep. and things like that. There were some interesting little play marks that they had in exploring the characters and just even like the whole reconciliation of his past and the three rules and how he violated the first two, but he's completely compliant with the third one yeah. where he's... Just like telling them, and it's like an alcoholic, right? Going through the steps and whatnot, and the forgiveness yeah. and everything. I really like that. I like. I liked how you know, even later. I I believe it's later in the episode, but not far after this, that we get to go back to one of his hits. Yeah, and see, you know, that path of redemption that he's trying to walk, and the realizations that he has to come to. I won't yeah. spoil that yet. Because I know you're yet. gonna advance in the story. That, that yeah. that's a that's a very major plot point to this, and it's it's really cool because you see that humanization, you see that like kind of, you know, PTSD that he has mm-hmm. of his entire life, uh, especially his time as the Winter Soldier, doing all these heinous acts, you know, for Mother Russia um, during the Cold War and whatnot. It was it's 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 a real mind fuck for him because he obviously now remembers everything that he's done and he knows that he wasn't the best person right so it's kind of interesting mm-hmm. that even after all of that he was still pardoned by the government um even after civil war um you know and things like that so kind of seeing this human aspect of it was really cool now I, there was a there was a point that i'm going to bring up from i believe it was winter soldier 
maybe it was a little bit later on, maybe it was in Civil War, where they asked him, where where Cap asked him, he says, do you remember every single killing that you did? And Bucky responds, I remember every single one. Right? Yep. It was something to that effect. Yeah. And this this show is backing that up now, which I thought was a really interesting... You know, this this is like what we talked about with Snyder and the and the DCEU that he was weaving. It's interesting that these little side points though come up when you start watching these things or rewatching them, and then you go, "Oh my gosh!" Yeah, that sentence has so much more meaning now. Exactly. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. And and then so that was for sure a major part that I was going to touch on a little bit. But you know, now that we're talking about kind of how. Um, Bucky Barnes is adapting to the real world. Let's talk a little bit about Sam Wilson, kind of like, you know, his story with his sister, with his family, and how his family uh, did during the blip and during his entire time. Because, you know, we saw the happy-go-lucky fun times of Sam Wilson <laughs> as he's this, you know, um, the, the, the Robin to Captain America's Batman, right? Like, he was this superhero and bigger than life and bigger than anything and, you know, um, a celebrity, for lack of a better term, right? And his family struggled. His family had a hard time. His family struggled to make ends meet. Um, so what did you kind of think of, like, the that humanization of and the kind of reality uh, setting in for these guys? It was fun. Like, just the whole celebrity aspect of his persona as a superhero how that affects his family, how that yeah. affects his banking, how that affects everything, right? Like it was it was a much deeper dive than you get in the movies. And that's where I think that this is a differentiation between the regular MCU and like what we saw in WandaVision where we get to get into the heads of these characters. This is getting into the heads of, of Sam Fisher or of Sam where it's all about his family and it's all about his nephews and it's all about his sister and it's all about what he does and how it affects them and how he's trying to save them and yeah. everything like that. And you don't get that in the movies you, on these secondary characters. It's you have, you have to go in and kick this guy's ass or get your ass kicked Yep. to serve the story and, and maybe drop a funny line. Yeah. Right, like, like maybe provide some comic relief or something endearing for the fans, so that they can they can pine over you later. This is where we get into the meat and potatoes of what makes these characters and what the reality is that they have to deal with, and what the reality is of the blip. Yeah. Right. Like, well, that was the banking rules from five years ago. Today, yeah. we don't we're not beholden to them. You know, it's that simple. We don't have to give you money because. We had to live our five years. You've got nothing to show for it. Yeah, exactly. It's a huge discrepancy in that world, right? Like, uh, yeah. I love that, to be honest, because how would you reconcile that in today's business world? How, you know, how are we going to reconcile COVID? Yeah. You know, and it's it's kind of similar because it kind of makes me think of kind of what the world is going to look like post-COVID. Like, you know, it's kind of like our, and I hate sounding like this, but like, it's kind of like our version of the blip, right? Like where it's, mm -hmm. it's a whole new world coming out on the other side of, of what, of COVID-19. It's similar to kind of what the other side of the blip is and kind of how they've, 
they're trying to, you know, in in in, in Spider Man um, Far From Home, it was interesting because it was kind of treated like a comedy thing, right? Where it's okay, it's a mind fuck because these people are now that much older, but we're technically the same age, but they look older, you know, um, mm-hmm. and, and it's kind of like that weird thing that's going on there and but we see it from a teenager's point of view right a teenager has no idea about what the world is what life is like what an adult has to do all the stuff that an adult has to take care of so now seeing this from not only um you know wandavision's point of view in wandavision or Wanda's point of view in WandaVision, but now seeing kind of how the regular folk in Sam Wilson's sister, you know, and how she literally dealt with this day in and day out. Yeah, and that's, if the MCU are smart, and we know that they are, they're going to dig in deeper on this parallel between our worlds and this blip and the hardships that some of these people have to endure and relating them to the hardships that all of society's had to endure with loss, with with the challenges and things like that. And yeah, it, man, yep. it, it, I, I just enjoyed the parallels, but I also enjoyed it for what it was. And it's a really good point about Far From Home because it was comedic and and fun. And, and are they the same age though? Are they? Because I would argue those people are five years, you know, yeah. Younger because the, theoretically, all those people's school should have gone on for five years. Maybe they missed a year, but they should be in a different grade. They should be maybe there were like, lockdowns and whatnot. <laughs> yeah, don't I, I don't know what the 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 actual thought process is if we're going to dig deep into that. But yeah, it's it, it was just it, it's a different treatment and it's much more realistic. And I think that that maybe is the biggest sign of the times. Yeah, is is maybe it would have been a joke pre-COVID. Maybe it would have just been a footnote, but now it's yeah. like maybe a plot point. Well, to be here's exploited. the thing: we talked about this with Brad, and you know, one thing about the MCU that we really enjoy is the fact that they take these things that happen and they turn them into kind of like these major events in their world in the Marvel six one six, right? Um, mm-hmm. For example. You know, the attack on New York. How many villains did we get? How many stories did we get? How many movies did we get from the attack on New York and everything that Stark and Israel did post-attack, yeah. right? Now, we're seeing this with the blip, not only for with Far From Home, but we're seeing this with the Flag Smashers. So the Flag Smashers is the group that Torres is trying to investigate. investigate. Um, they're another terrorist group known as the Flag Smashers, and essentially, they believe... Life was better during the blip. Yep. And you know that that is a pure reflection on our modern day society where somebody's going to take the counterpoint and say, ah, stuff was better. Like, I could see it when we're on the other side of COVID. Stuff was better under lockdown. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to, you know, I, I enjoyed the government checks. I enjoyed the surplus. I enjoyed the not seeing people. I've enjoyed all that. And I'm yeah. sure other people do. So we should rob a bank. Yeah. But what's interesting, though, <laughs> is that we yeah, <laughs> we don't fully understand what the motivations are yet of the flag, flag smashers. I don't know what I was going to say. <laughs> I don't want to know what I was going to say. <laughs> so the flag smashers, um, you know. In what ways 
was life better during the blip? Like, what is their actual motivation? What do they mean? And I know that these are things that we're going to explore, <laughs> but these are the questions that I had watching this episode and thinking kind of about, you know, it's, 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 this is the MCU. This is why I love the MCU. We called it a few weeks ago when we talked with Brad about this, right? Like, it was really fun. So, yeah. <laughs> I think it's it, it really highlights to me these flag smashers just really bring out the fact that there's just going to be somebody who's just the asshole in the room. There's always going to be someone that says, no, 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 no. It was better before. Yeah, It was better when there was half the birds. It was yeah. better when there wasn't as many fucking squirrels trying to get in my garbage. All right, it was better when the raccoons weren't trying to, to get into my garbage at night. You know, that you was a better world. A Boston, New York accent. I'm just saying, like, there's got to be some guy or some group of people that are like, yeah, it was better. It was quieter. I like, I like traffic. There was no traffic getting into work. You know? Yeah, it was, my commute was better. <laughs> Fucking so let's rob a bank. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So we'll see what the actual motivation of the flag smashers are. Um, But, you know, like I mentioned, they believe that life was better during the blip. All right. So um, Torres is investigating. He's injured by a member of the group with superhuman strength um, as he witnesses them rob a bank in Switzerland. Uh, And he live streams everything. Let's let's just be clear. This guy has a social media problem. (laughs) Yeah, that was one thing I noted. Like that scene when he was with Samuelson in the cafe. I'm like, dude, put your fucking phone down. (laughs) I was like, put it up his ass. Let's do it. <laughs> oh, man. man. <laughs> yep. Um, <sighs> so, yeah. So, he calls Sam. He tells him about this. He says, like, I don't know what happened. He, this guy had superhuman strength. Um, and, yeah. So, that's basically where we're at. So, Again, know. relating to the live streaming, the one takeaway that I learned was if you're going to be a creeper, that's how you mount your phone. Like That was just really annoying how he like poked it in his jacket and everything. I'm like, what the hell is this guy doing? Like, <laughs> yep. yep. And then I'm like, all right, well, I guess it makes sense for the mission, but I don't know. Like, is he putting it on Twitter? Like, what is going on here? But yeah, interesting yep. stuff. Isn't it? It was a fun scene, though. It was whatever. I think there's something more going on. Of course, there's more going on. It's it's the MCU. Come on. Uh, so in parallel to all of this going on, Bucky Barnes is hanging out with this old guy. It's funny because I originally thought that this guy that he was hanging out with, this old Japanese guy, kind of was part of the army. I don't know why I thought my initial yeah. assumption was that what it was one of his army buddies from the Second World War. Yeah, I I thought something similar. I thought, like, these guys have been lifelong friends. And obviously there's a relationship, you know, because they know each other and Bucky's talking them down and, you know, I'll buy you lunch this time. You know what I mean? Like, the whole exchange that they have, like, old friends. Yeah. But, yeah, I was battling a little bit to understand that. And then, yeah. And it's interesting because we see, you know, Essentially, this old guy works his charm, gets Bucky a date. Um, so, a couple things from this date. 
I don't <laughs> think she realized who this guy is, right? Oh like, gosh, no. <laughs> she has no idea that she's she's dating the Winter Soldier. No, she has no idea of the prosthetic arm. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like she has no idea about any of that. She doesn't know. She assumes that he went through the blip just like everyone else. He she assumes that mm-hmm. he's just this guy that comes into the restaurant with this old Japanese guy, right? Like she has doesn't... no idea about the hut and on the Wakanda beach. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so she has no idea. Famous last like words, right? <laughs> she she never knew. No, and you know what? There's there's this point at which she's like because in their exchange on the date, she's like, I want to know what's going on in your mind. And you're like, no, you fucking don't. Yeah. Like, honestly, lady, like, you do not want it. Like, that guy? Holy crap. You do not want to know what's going on there. Yeah. And it's so <laughs> weird seeing how antisocial he is. And it makes sense. And, you know, I know we're making jokes of this part, but it was just like, it's, yeah. it was different. It goes back to kind it, of like, it's, it's, it's. Like, honestly, I can say I have I have a family member that's going through PTSD and it's not a joke. And I know that we're being light about it in this, but it is a pretty heavy subject in real life and they are portraying it rather well, but they did add the comedic element or, you know, elements with the setup and the date and stuff like that, which is why we're being a bit jovial with it. But I know that there are moments where they're going to be very serious, deep dives into this. And this obviously precludes that to a degree. So it is a serious issue. We do have it affecting us in real life. Yeah. But, you know, you got to laugh at it sometimes too because there is an absurdity about it just with the exaggeration of who these superheroes are. Exactly. Exactly. So that's where we get the fun out of it. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and and, and 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 like you said, I feel like kind of these are the good times before shit gets real for Bucky. And they got real really fast even in this episode because you know he doesn't feel comfortable he feels like he's completely lying to her he feels like he can't be honest to her he feels we don't really know exactly how he feels but we're kind of making some 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 conclusions and kind of the way that he acted the way that he just took off from the um from the uh from the date and he went to go visit his old japanese friend and at this point you know there was already mention at this point of that, you know, this man of the lost his son. He lost his son, and the government isn't being honest with him, and he lost his son when his son was overseas at a work trip. This is when we learn that his son was actually killed by the Winter Soldier. Yeah, that's the official part. I figured it out before then. Yeah. Like, the 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 way it was shot and everything, I'm like... Well, that that character has got way more importance than what we'd think. And then once I saw the old man and then he brought up his son, I'm like, oh, really? Okay. Yeah. And then I was surprised with how fast the confirmation came in this yep. episode. I, I would have thought that maybe that was a thread that was going to unravel at a more paced thing over the season. But now it seems to be at a crisis point, you know, where Bucky's like like looking in the door and seeing the picture and then Bucky gets cold feet. You know, he just kind of like, not my battle right now. Yep. Which I thought was an interesting character choice. Yep. And again, like, you know, we don't fully understand what his motivations are. Is he going to make amends to the old man? Is he like, what's, what's, what's his end game 
pardon the pun with this. Oh. Like, what? Yeah, you know what? Pun intended. What's his end game with this? Yeah. Like, you know, we don't fully understand this. And again, you know, yeah, we rushed to this, um, but I kind of want to see where it take where it goes from there because you know, um, this is near the end of the episode because the next scene it was when Torres was telling Sam about the fight. Um, he shows him his battle scars, and this is when Sam gets a message. Obviously, it's like, hey, you got to watch this because the government announces a new captain, government-mandated Captain America, John Walker. Yeah, Homelander. Yeah, very Homelander, eh? <laughs> very, very Homelander. There was some interesting parts with this. What is it? Jack or, or Kurt Russell's son and Goldie Hawn's son that's playing him. But he's got a sidearm on, too. And it was the same guy that told Sam that, you know, you're doing the right thing by turning the shield in and all that. And he's just like, I'd like to present to you. Yeah. The new, the new symbol of America, yep. you know, and, and it seems like they're going to be trying to get away from these mutant super meta heroes and trying to get people to focus in on the Captain America, you know, super soldier yep. type savior. Well, again, that's remember, all branded. Remember, you know, Civil War, like, mm-hmm. government-mandated superheroes. This is what it's all about. This is their goal, and this yeah. is a perfect example of this. This is the government's Captain America, you know, and it's more of a symbol, more of a marketing PR thing than anything else. And, you know, it is played by Wyatt Russell. Um, you know, I thought he was a great in Black Mirror. He was the episode with the video yeah. game tester. Love that episode. Probably my favorite one. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, 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 we'll see where this goes. Like, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's weird seeing him without the beard. Gotta yeah. say, I, I I didn't really recognize him right off the bat. I just thought Homelander with a little bit of a pug nose or something. I don't know. Yep. But yeah, he's shaved up and he looks pretty clean. So I'm like, okay. He looks all American. He's he's definitely got that going for him. And looks Oh man, it was a good ending. It was yep. it was a great launch point. And even the post like the credit scenes have all kinds of little Dipsy doodles and hints yep. at stuff, you know, very classic MCU. Yeah. I don't know how like geeky the credits. you want to get. There was but... no post credits scene. No, the credits, yeah, yes. had had little little writings and scribbles and allusions to certain bad guys that yep. we know are in Black Widow. Yeah. And maybe coming back now. Yeah. I don't know if maybe they got pardoned or escaped or whatever, but we're starting to see what Marvel is potentially setting the table for, which is yeah. interesting because it's it's not a one course meal, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> no, it's definitely not. And if you you thought differently, go watch Wandavision. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so that was the episode in a nutshell. Every week we're gonna we're not gonna go as in depth as we did with Mandalorian and other shows, but. You know, no, there's little, too little. many threads with comic books. Like, the thing is, is that when you're dealing with Star Wars per se, it's a, it's a, it's a, a, an entity that's on railroad tracks. There are only certain deviations that they can perform. Yeah. When you look at something in these comic books, as, as illustrated by the fact that when I started getting back into comics, 
Boris says, go read Civil War. And I'm like, all right. I I think I kind of know this. Chest pump. I've seen the movie. Right? And then I open the comic books and I go, I'm a fucking idiot. (laughs) Because all I can do is sit there and go, oh my gosh, this is so much more fleshed out. Oh my gosh, there's a Fantastic Four. Oh my gosh, there's X-Men. Oh my gosh, they don't live by the same constraints that Disney has to. Oh my gosh, there's such more exploring of the political atmosphere, everything. Like everything is is Trump, forgive the pun, but Trumped up. Like everything is just to the nines. And Disney can choose to explore any of that now. So all bets are off. Yep. On comic book stuff. Yeah. Because they could just turn and put, you know, the dude from X-Men in there again, just like they did in WandaVision, just to mess with us. We don't even know what it means until weeks later. There's only one thing that I know about this episode, Phil. What's that? There was no manifesto. There was no Mephisto. Yeah, that's true. Mephisto (laughs) was missing. However... The plant in the bank looked very suspicious to me. Yes. All right. Maybe the banker was Mephisto. <laughs> oh, my God. Because he did want to get that selfie, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Anyways, that's that. That's Falcon and Winter Soldier. That's the Snyder Cut, Zack Snyder's Justice League. Let us know what you think. Let us know if you think we're insane. As I mentioned, every Wednesday we're going to be talking about Falcon and Winter Soldier, even if it's for 90 minutes. Even if it's for half an hour, uh, we'll we'll do a quick review on Wednesdays. It'll give everyone enough time to watch the episode and then listen to us ramble on and make jokes and make light of stuff. So, Phil, can you tell our listeners how they can get a hold of us? Oh, I sure can. You know what? You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at It's Canon Podcast. You can track us down on our website at www.itscanonpodcast.com. I'll bet you've never been on the internet before, huh? Um, you can email us at show at itscanonpodcast.com. And you can find our nice little podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play. Anywhere you find podcasts, you're going to find the It's Canon Podcast. And while you're there, you can subscribe and, if possible, leave a rate and review Thank you so much for spending time with us. We really do appreciate it. And we look forward to spending more time with you. Yep, that is right. We are the Edge Cannon Podcast. The podcast where we talk about all things, everything. The podcast where we talk about all things comic books, all things movies, all things video games, all things books, all things toys, all things Muppets, all things Star Wars, all things MCU, all things DCEU. And Phil... You know what the best part of it all is? Ah, well, judging by the name of the show, I'm pretty sure. Even if it's Zack Snyder doing it, it's still all in canon. That's right, it's all in canon. We are the It's Canon Podcast. He's Phil. I'm Boris. Good night. <laughs>